GM, GM, everyone. Bonjour, guten Morgen, dobro utro, labrit. That is basically the way how we do it here in the Web3 space in Europe. We're happy to have everyone on a weekly episode of Origins XYZ, the Web3 show about the origins of the biggest OGs in the whole Web3 space with you know, this European spirit. We're live every Tuesday, 2 p.m. GMT, and as always, I'm your host, Nikita Tsikaluk, and I'm here to grow together with you. Make sure that you share the space with your friends, family, because we are life. And today with me, I have a very unexpected but very good friend of mine joining here today, LDF from DiscoXYZ, to talk about her origin story in Web3, to talk about digital identity in the space and much more. GM, GM, my friend. GM, GM. Uh, as I mentioned, thank you for having me. And yeah, excited to be here. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, for people who will join us uh, later on, just to give some perspective, we had the very, very last minute change. And uh, I would like uh, to start the show by saying thank you very much for joining us today, because just for you to understand, it was literally the last 10 minutes when I got informed that Evan uh, won't be able to join us today, sadly enough, but we'll definitely have her later this year. But instead of just canceling the show, and probability was quite high, LDF said, that, hey, you know what? I'm an early bird. It's 9 a.m. in New York. I just woke up. I don't have anything to do for the next hour. Let me join my friend Nikita. Something like this, I assume. <laughs> Closer to I canceled my plans for you, but that is what we do around here. So <laughs> I absolutely love it. That means a lot to me. I do believe uh, that you already uh, made yourself a coffee, uh, wonderful coffee. I know that you drink a lot of coffee from your Twitter thread. So uh, just make sure that you feel yourself comfortable because... Uh, for the next about an hour, uh, we're going to dive deeper into what specifically do you do in Web3 and how did you start uh, this journey? I had a whole background story uh, prepared because I was preparing for Avon uh, just to go through what I found out about Avon, how the disco was founded, etc., etc. But I do believe it's even more interesting today to discuss with you the aspects of Web3 because I know that recently you started creating a lot of content on your own. I do believe it was about a month ago when you started uh, filming shorter videos on Twitter. People really enjoyed it and uh, up from this moment you're creating more and more engaging content on Twitter. How is it going so far my friend? Well, it's going great. And to answer your question, I do have coffee here. And it's funny, content has kind of been uh, an interesting through line, uh, both in my kind of origins of how I got interested in Web3 and crypto even for the first time, at, all the way through when I met Evan for the first time, which was before Disco was even founded. And so it almost kind of feels like a return to what I was doing beforehand, um, which is kind of funny because all roads lead back to content in some way, shape or form. <laughs> 
Let's give some context uh, to people to make sure that they understand what are your roots and where are you coming before Web3. Uh, what were you doing before entering Disco XYZ and actually before learning about crypto and stuff? So I'll go all the way back because, again, everything kind of comes <laughs> full circle in some way, shape or form. But uh, we love it here, not a Gen XYZ, <laughs> so go for it. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go all the way back. Uh, I studied finance in school and was always very interested in kind of like individual autonomy. I always wanted to own my own business. I wasn't super interested in having kind of like a 40-year career path at a big company. I didn't want to be defined by a specific type of role. And so to me, finance was kind of like the core principle of what I needed to be able to know how to do in order to go figure out what kind of business I would want to start, maybe change that a couple of times and just get hands-on experience. Um, fast forward a couple of years, I actually ended up working at Facebook <laughs> and then at Reddit after that, um, specifically doing marketing and helping really big companies basically develop their digital marketing strategies. And I kind of felt like I had just like blinked and woke up not in my nightmare, but like in a version of reality that I hadn't necessarily been preparing for. And I was still learning a lot of different things um, in terms of different disciplines and looking at a lot of different companies at once and how they, you know, were able to grow profitably, how they were adapting to the shift to mobile, how they took on kind of like analytics and data as kind of what was traditionally seen, at least in my opinion, in marketing as kind of like a creative field was really fun for me to be able to take all of these different pieces, put them together, um, watch them play out online. And I spent a couple of years doing that specifically at Facebook um, for gaming, e-commerce, and then later at Reddit, also crypto companies. To me, this was kind of just like watching people develop digital communities, watching them give more tools to the people that were already super fans of the products that they were buying from them. And I kind of watched creators do the same thing on a smaller scale, almost like their own startups, right? Right. Like you didn't need all of the traditional years necessarily of working at a big company, of having the credentials of going to a really fancy school, like your work kind of spoke for itself. And so I was watching really big companies get disrupted by these small, basically startups in creators and watching uh, the platforms that gave the tools to both of these different types of businesses really just struggle to listen to them. Um, so one of the things I always found super interesting was the fact that we differentiated between a creator and a user, which which to me just didn't make sense because a creator was really just a power user of a platform that had found a way to kind of capture some of their own value that they were creating um, through these digital media tools by going more directly to their audience. And so it was funny, I was at Reddit at the time and I met Evan because a friend of mine through Twitter was like, you like digital identity. I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but they were like, you need to meet Evan. And so I was like, okay, cool. 
I don't know anything about Evan. I didn't even, I, I knew nothing. I just got on a Zoom call. We were supposed to talk for 45 minutes. I kind of went into this whole diatribe of everything I just explained to you guys about how, um, to me, Web3 and crypto and giving people access to the data about themselves that um, was traditionally kind of locked up and kind of given back to people on a basis of advertising specifically just didn't make sense to me. Um, And so she was so kind and like, let me ramble for probably two hours we were supposed to talk for 45 minutes um and at the end of me that's a a typical of course yeah so at the end of me you know like gasping for breath being like okay I said all the things I wanted to say she's like yeah so the technology that you're describing exists and it's called decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials and at the time like I had been spending a lot of time specifically within like NFT communities. And to me, the idea of tokenizing content as opposed to just uh, cryptocurrency itself, just being kind of like numbers pushed around on a ledger was interesting, but it gave more depth and context to why we would even want to use crypto in the first place in a way that wasn't tied back to like real world assets that were clearly not being denominated in crypto yet. And so it was more of like a, oh, okay, there's a novel use case here that we can use today. This isn't 10 years out in the future. Um, But anyway, so she told me about decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials, which to me were just like, everything I was looking for in web three, but with the internet tools, right? Like we have URLs, like we have applications. I was not super technical, but web three gave me an opportunity to feel like I relearned how the internet worked or to be basically a more, a more simplified version of web three, uh, that Evan showed you how it should be done, uh, without being that tech savvy or whatever. It wasn't necessarily simple so much as it was like, oh my God, this is possible. Um, and I don't need to overcomplicate it with crypto, at least in my own head. Um, cause I think when I was trying to explain to people, at least for me, because NFTs were the thing that was interesting about web three to contextualize cryptocurrency, I was always frustrated that onboarding guides would start with like, what is Bitcoin? What is Ethereum? What is blockchain? And it's like you had to go through 15 steps before you even got to the thing that was maybe interesting to you as someone who watches YouTube or who has a favorite show or, you know, has a favorite content creator that you want to be able to support. It almost felt like we were teaching people backwards. And so when she taught me about DIDs and VCs, I was like, I don't need to talk about crypto at all to be able to explain to people that reusable data is possible. Like the idea of me showing up to five different applications and simply presenting the same piece of data about myself that I have access to, as opposed to filling out a form five different times, storing that information in five different databases, and then going back and updating it five different times if, for example, I move. that's way easier to explain to someone that they don't care how it works. And that's becoming more and more true every day. And so I kind of just like freed myself from the technical implementation details, which allowed me to come up with way more kind of creative 
ways of actually using crypto and then backing into how do I make this possible instead of um, the other way around, which is like, no, look, trust me, this thing is so cool. Like it has real use and you lose people along the way. <laughs> oh, I love it. It seems like you had a real roller coaster from the moment you found out about the whole uh, deep VCs topic about the Web3 and diving deeper, understanding what is the way to actually understand it? What is the way to actually build something in it? And uh, that's a very interesting story, taking into account that you said you've been connected with tech industry, with the uh, creator's uh, aspect of uh, Web2 world for a long time. And right now you found a way how to explain to this Web2 people uh, in an understandable language how to build in Web3. I absolutely love it. Uh, before we move forward, just to give uh, context for people who just joined us, uh, we have wonderful LDF who just joined us 20 minutes before the space, uh, letting me know that unfortunately Evan won't be able to join us today, but uh, we're having a wonderful discussion with LDF. Hopefully Evan will join us on Origins XYZ later this year so uh guys make sure that you follow the space make sure that you retweet it because the discussion has just started LDF, uh i want to understand since you said that before learning about disco xyz you already have some opinion some vision for the web3 space so most probably you have already had some experience either with crypto or i assume with some crypto art through nfts or digital land what was your experience with web3 before all the disco party stuff that you joined and how did it change from the moment you started diving deeper into the topic of digital identity and uh, how that is one of the key pillars of success for Web3. Yeah, so I mentioned that I, I studied finance and that it wasn't that I wasn't aware of crypto for a long time and I actually had bought crypto um, quite a long time ago, but I just wasn't super passionate about engaging with it right like um if there isn't really much to do with crypto then it kind of isn't just a speculative asset and at least for me i just kind of held on to it for a long time um and my first experience with nfts surprisingly enough was not buying anything it was actually minting a piece of my own not necessarily like art as in crypto art but i used to make merch because when I worked at Facebook, we had advertising credits that they would give us every month so that we would try out the ad tools so that we kind of had firsthand experience using them. And so I put together like a Shopify store and I wasn't trying to make a bunch of money off of it. It was really just a fun side project um, to play around with some of these tools. But I had these JPEGs, obviously, from the merchandise that I was selling and I remember reading an article about NFTs and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, it would be nice to be able to prove that the merchandise that I'm selling, <laughs> that the artwork is actually mine and that it came from me if 
at some point in the future, any of this was actually worth anything. And so my first experience with NFTs was literally like minting that artwork (laughs) myself. Um, And then actually, I found NFT Twitter through joining a discord of an old uh, TikTok creator that I followed like many, many years ago. Her name is Jules Turpak. And she covers like, really awesome just tech industry news and is really kind of provocative in talking about some of the harder, deeper questions about society and tech. And she wasn't interested in crypto, wasn't talking about NFTs at all. But I ended up in a Discord server of hers that was very small, had like 100 people in it, probably two and a half years ago now. And I became friends with just one other person who I was talking to about the future of the internet. Like, again, this idea, not even knowing how NFTs were going to do it, not knowing anything about dids and VCs, just like creators being able to own their audience across a number of different platforms. Like, as we were saying earlier, people who exist online inherently know how to complain about what's wrong. Like, we love to complain about the platforms that we use for hours and hours and hours every day. We love to make fun of CEOs of companies who roll out features that we think are stupid like it's it's what we do (laughs) and so through some of those conversations one friend of mine his name is Favli actually I need to catch up with him Um, but he was like you need to get on Twitter and I was like I haven't used Twitter in 10 years I don't I don't know like last time I was on Twitter people were just tweeting about the their lunch that they ate and it was like when I was in college um So I did make a Twitter in, I think, July of 2021. And that tweet that you just pulled up is funny because once I got kind of into NFT Twitter, I realized very quickly that these in-groups were forming around these profile picture NFTs. And it made sense to me, but I was just like, this is a little bit short-lived in terms of what I know about traditional kind of community building online and us having bought the same asset together is only enough to have in common for a short amount of time. And so to me, I kind of latched onto this meme of GM because it allowed me to abstract away the specific communities themselves and to feel like I could connect with anyone that was participating in thinking about community building online what role crypto plays in that, how NFTs allow... That is actually the tweet I just pinned. Uh, that yeah, that's actually, what I yeah, saw it. Exactly. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, actually, and prove me I'm wrong, but this tweet was pinned the time when we were... I guess we were back in Barcelona or something like that. I remember that we were out for dinner and you, you told Adam that someone... Whether it was Punk6529, I guess, retweeted one of your <laughs> tweets and it went viral. What Was it the one? Or I don't I think it was or... this one, but I will tell you a funny story about the smiley face that I have right now and Punk6529 and this tweet or at least one like it. But yeah, this tweet is from, uh, oh my God, October 2021. I forgot what month the 10th month was. Um Yeah, October 2021, basically just saying like, to me, GM was such a strong meme within the NFT kind of corner of crypto Twitter, because 
there's a whole other side of crypto Twitter that's <laughs> different. But I felt like I could connect with anyone who was participating in any way, shape, or form because of that. Um, and it was funny. 6529 tweeted that he was, like, talking about memes. And he was, like, comment a picture of a meme. And if I like it, I will mint it for 0.1 ETH. And I was like, I drew a meme in probably 10 seconds on my phone. It was terrible. It was like a mad face that said good morning and a happy face that said GM. And I posted it and I literally put on it. I'm so sorry (laughs) that this is so bad. And he was like, I love it. Mint it. And I let's go. I hadn't minted anything on foundation before. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is my moment to mint something on foundation didn't realize it was going to go to an auction by doing that so I literally minted it on foundation he bids I'm freaking out like oh my god I'm so sorry I didn't realize it was going to start an auction people start like Richard starts bidding on it loom dart starts bidding on it 6529's tweeting about it I'm like about to have a heart attack because I feel so guilty like I was trying to play him because at the time like 0.1 ETH for this silly little drawing that's a lot of money um and I had never really been trying to make money off of NFTs like I still had a full-time job at the time you're about to become financially independent (laughs) (laughs) I was just having fun on the internet like it was not a targeted thing um but it was so funny he ended up winning the piece for a ridiculous amount of money and like put it on a billboard in Times Square and so I've just like I have gotten away this entire time without having even really like an NFT profile picture and participating because I'm like these memes are way stronger um so yeah i I see now my like physical drawings, but yeah, GM is in everything that I do now. (laughs) GM, GM, that is a way, that is a way in Web3 to make friends. That is a way to build your brand around it. That's just a way to exist and have some fun. So I see from another tweet that I just uh, posted that GM actually uh, has a very special role in your life because that's where we all start. That's where we all end. So appreciate you sharing the story. It's definitely an interesting story, taking into account that the first means that you had uh, back then was your own art, even though you're not an artist. You had the means that uh, was minted by Punk6529, and I do believe that millions of artists listening to this in replay will be biting their fingers like, hey, it should be me, I have much better art, or whatever, but that's how it works. Perhaps it's the power of GM, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a very different time. <laughs> I don't know if I could pull that off again. <laughs> That's cool. You, you got it once. You have uh, this in bucket list, uh, an art minted, a meme minted by 6529. So you should be a lucky one. Good for you. Actually, I just DM'd you very quickly, so if you can check your messages. And uh, meanwhile, I will continue by saying that it seems like content creation has always played a huge part uh, in your Web2 slash Web3 journey. But what I'm trying to understand, based on what you just shared with us, your background, what is the main driver for you 
into Web3 space? Are you pursuing learning more and eventually building uh, some product, some innovation on your own, whether it's with Disco XYZ or on your own, or you're just trying to be flexible in the space, understand what the innovation is right now and act accordingly, whether through investment, through some NFT minting, uh, etc. So is it your personal interest to be among this 1% of people who understand Web3 right now, or you also have this end goal of building something innovative together with Disco XYZ or on your own that will change the mind of people because it will be so simple to use, it will be so effective and sustainable in this space that for you it just makes sense. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And um, short answer is I think both. Um, it's always kind of been a principle of mine that I don't do something just to say that I did it, which is why actually um, when I left my job at Reddit, which ironically, I met Evan, she told me about dids and VCs, I was like, okay, I'm quitting my job like this is <laughs> this is the future around that same time I sold this meme, which kind of like allowed me a little bit of a cushion to be able to do that and take that jump immediately. But I have always very much felt a responsibility to not build something just to say that I built something, um, which is ironically how I ended up coming back around to creating content because I told myself if I was going to be talking about the future of work, I couldn't just be at a nine to five in a web two job and I was basically like LARPing as the future of work. Um, same thing when I was talking about kind of content creators and how I think that people building communities more organically, like within Web3, that looks a little bit closer to what traditional creators have done already. Um, but with obviously the knowledge and experience and more tools to play with to be able to do things that weren't possible before, I couldn't. I couldn't realistically understand what content creators would need if I wasn't doing it myself. So my friend Reka and I actually sat down to write an article together a couple of months ago, which is how this uh, content creation journey kind of started up again, because we, we literally just wanted to write an article together about how we met and how we bumped into each other in all these digital spaces and accrued all this kind of shared context and knowledge without like intentionally meeting first and how that made when we did meet so much easier. And so um, that, that was like the genesis of it, which was how do you co-create with another person? We were like, we want to post on Mirror, but you can only post on Mirror from one MetaMask. So let's buy an ENS, let's share a seed phrase, let's set up another mirror profile. We're now not able to attribute that content back to ourselves as individuals. Like we didn't just get married, not everything we do together from now until the end of time is going to be shared. Um, so basically just putting ourselves kind of in the shoes of the stuff we think is cool, and then figuring out what tools I would need myself to make my own life easier, whether that is me giving feedback to a bunch of other tools that I know through, you know, like talking to the founders, for example, or 
whether that's something that I think could be incubated inside a DAO that I participate in, or uh, if I need to make it myself, like I am more than happy to do that. But I think for me, that's almost my last case scenario now, as opposed to when I was younger, I thought that was kind of like my driving force was to be a founder or to create something that no one had done before. And now I don't care so much about that as much as I want so much stuff to exist that I don't really care how it comes to fruition. Um, yeah. And I absolutely love you sharing this with us because it totally makes sense. Perhaps for some people it might uh, sound a bit crazy or whatever, but that that's the way how you do it. That's the way how you consider things in Web2, Web3 spaces in your life. So absolutely appreciate you sharing that with us. One more thing that actually, uh, well, right now scrolling through your uh, profile, the question I came up with, <laughs> obviously people listening to us right now should be aware of LDF's tweets. Those tweets <laughs> are getting viral very often. And I mean, some of these tweets are really deep. As I mentioned before, about a month ago, you started creating shorter clips uh, up to one minute, just sharing uh, bear market trends, just sharing your uh, workspace, yada, yada, yada. Some of these tweets are like a meme way of you expressing yourself, what is going on in this space. And some of them are pretty thought-provoking ideas where you're having deep conversations with people about everything that happens in life apart from Web3. So how do you consider, uh, what do you consider your Twitter account to be right now, taking into account that some time ago you weren't actively using it, but right now your tweets are getting really viral and there is a lot of alpha, a lot of value to get from those. <laughs> well, thank you. I I uh, don't put a ton of thought into it. Honestly, I've called Twitter a notes app for... <laughs> about two years now that I've been actually using it. And to be honest, that's exactly what it is for me is kind of like a public notes app. Um, that's why you see such a diverse range of thoughts because it I can't necessarily segment, you know, it, it's not a brand account that has to have a certain like persona or personality. I am a person and I have a lot of different varied thoughts and interests and I wish I could do more. Honestly, the videos have been a helpful way for me to give a little bit more context behind just, you know, like one sentence that's either too provocative and doesn't share some of the nuance of what I'm thinking about on what is kind of deep topics or the opposite, which is I try not to take the work we do in crypto and Web3 too seriously all the time um, because I think that there's a lot of value in people having fun in us making things because we want them and not because we think someone else can be convinced that they might want it. Um, I, I saw a lot of problems in web two based on uh, this is like a very extreme example, but like Mark Zuckerberg doesn't use Facebook, you know, like he doesn't need to go connect with his family on his own platform. And so you can see a very quick like disconnect between building tools for other people as opposed to the care and attention that you put into something that you yourself want to use. 
And so that's really important to me um, is to not try and like take myself too seriously, I guess. Uh, even when the topics at hand are, they are serious. Um, Cause at the end of the day, that's why I'm here. Like that's why I show up every day is I think we have a fairly big responsibility to do our best um, to build tools that are going to make society better <laughs> for ourselves first though. Not like be not trying to like impose that on other people. Appreciate you saying that. And uh, on the note of having this horizon, like this line between being too serious and being not serious at all, uh, I propose we come up with uh, a bit more serious topics than uh, tweets on Twitter. Let's talk about Disco XYZ. I do believe that uh, for some uh, listeners here in the Origins XYZ, it can be still a fresh new company, even though Disco exists for many years right now. I would love to start with a very serious question. Do you believe that digital identity is the key to sustainable Web3, sustainable future for the whole Web3, or you would not say so? Um, Definitely. In insofar as digital identity is not a specific company, it's not a specific type of technology, it's how individuals are represented digitally. Um, and so I, I am always cautious to act like digital identity is something that's new to Web3, that hasn't existed forever, um, and how that manifests is going to be messy it's going to continue to change and evolve it has a lot of different components but at the end of the day i believe that the tools we're building are human coordination tools and so to the extent that we need to you know help a person navigate them then yes digital identity is it's both like a byproduct of that work and also a foregone conclusion like there's no escaping it because that's it already exists. It's already here. One question that I asked Evan about half a year ago when she came to my podcast was to give her definition for on-chain versus off-chain identity and in specific, uh, specifically discuss whether there is one way to approach your data, to approach your documents, to approach your identity, whether it's on-chain, whether it's off-chain, or do you believe that actually both of uh, these solutions can coexist and contribute to one another? Well, personally, I believe they not only can coexist with one another, but are coexisting with one another. I think to me, the thing I care most about is is educating individuals about the range of tools and making it as easy as possible for them to make decisions on behalf of themselves and of their communities that they are in control of um, more easily accessible so that the nuance can be understood and people can make those decisions for themselves. I don't think it's responsible. I, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's responsible for anyone to be choosing on behalf of everyone else. And that's how I felt when 
I spoke with Evan the first time and I learned about the ability to do all the stuff we talk about with on-chain data, with off-chain data, like then at that point, it didn't become about if it was on or off-chain being the differentiating factor. It became how do we protect users? How What information should be stored? What do we need access to from other people? And how do we maintain that flexibility for people to be able to make those decisions? Um, because it felt like the conversation in Web3, and I get it, like I said, the in terms of the learning curve of how how our eyes are open to what is possible in the future um, is, it's a big, like, meaty topic, um, obviously. And so it takes some time to be able to figure out. But by us saying, like, on-chain means, like, displayed in a bunch of different places. Okay, but if you walk that back and you say that's that's one way of doing it, um, then I think that's a better future. And so that's why I started working with Disco to be able to try and get some parity for off-chain tools. Because I'm also kind of a realist in that people aren't going to go out of their way for privacy. They're not going to go out of their way for figuring out all these different data schemas and you know NFTs versus soulbound tokens versus verifiable credentials and where they're stored. And like that's just not reasonable to ask of most people, um, even in our ecosystem. And so making it making it more of an informed choice and having the tools side by side do the same things, I think is a better version. Um, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, taking into account what fascinates you the most about the technology and how you approach uh, this coexistence of both on-chain and off-chain identity, you have a huge passion for creation, specifically for creators who are innovating the space. And as you said before, it all comes from back to space. What is the main benefit of Disco XYZ solutions that you bring uh, off-chain that helps the co-creation that helps the creation of the content in Web3. Because obviously right now we have, what, like 5, maybe 10 million people in the whole Web3 space. And out of them, I would say like 5 to 10%, that would be uh, my estimation for creators. Everyone is trying to be one. Everyone is trying to come up with the content. But definitely there are things like consistency, determination, uh, staying out of the curve all the time, making sure that you are in the trends and that your content is relevant. How do you consider Disco XYZ making the life of creators in Web3 space easier, perhaps more flexible? So interestingly enough, um, and I kind of teased this on the opposite side earlier when I said that traditional platforms, just internally, the way that they talk about a user as opposed to a creator, to me, isn't the right definition. Um, to me, like in Web3, we are all like, the actual definition of a Web3 user is basically someone that creates data, like with blockchains in some way, shape or form. And that means that if you've ever minted an NFT, if you have bought a token, if you have, you know, like 
I mean, we could even expand that and probably should outside of just those are financial transactions, right? If we were to define what a Web3 user and so therefore, in my opinion, creator is, it should include listening to Twitter spaces. It should include participating in Discord conversations. It should include reading newsletters. It should include basically any form of interaction with not only the the assets and transactions themselves, but the topics that are surrounding everything that could be considered Web3, you know, whether that's data privacy or ownership or autonomy online or digital identity. There's a lot of people talking about these topics that actually think that they're not interested in Web3, that are that think they're anti-crypto, that I, I would... <laughs> Yeah, I I try to separate those two things from each other. And then on the flip side of that, so what Disco allows people to do is essentially boil down being a Web3 user or creator in this case to having self-custodied keys. Now, what you can do with those keys, again, right now we've been exploring what you can do with those keys on chain by being able to interact with on-chain assets. But with DIDs and VCs, you basically append uh, additional functionalities to those keys so that you can sign anything. I could sign that you're an incredible host and that and you could sign that I came on this podcast and we could sign that all the people that are here right now are are actually here. That looks like what we're using co-ops for. It looks like why sometimes people mint NFTs that they don't expect their friends to sell and just send them to them. But like being able to attest to information that happens online is increasingly important. Number one for creators that are trying to prove that their content is actually their content when we have things like deep fakes and with AI and the more and more information that exists online, the more we need kind of peer to peer trust. We need to be able to tell where information came from and be able to follow it, whether it was on chain or not. And so what Disco allows you to do is essentially it's an interface for you to sign those attestations to receive make public or private, and disclose that information rather than expecting the applications that you're interfacing with other people through to do that for you and to do that with your best interests at heart. Um, So yeah, to me, like a Web3 creator is the same as a Web3 user in that people should have control of their digital footprints um, regardless of where that information is happening And so applications should be more like pipes that are just facilitating the interactions between individuals, as opposed to these data warehouses that keep all of our information safe, quote, on our behalf. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Actually, the way how you turn it out is that Web3 user, whether you're a developer, whether you're a trader, enthusiast, you are creating something out there. It equals Web3 creator, meaning that Disco XYZ uh, basically offers digital identity and uh, verified credentials for 
absolutely everyone who is doing something in the Web3 space, whether you are listening to this podcast, whether you're creating your content, whether you're coding something, you have a way, you have a way to verify what has been done, by whom has been done, and uh, when has been done. So it's definitely something that we need in this space, and that's definitely something that a lot of creators and builders out there are supporting already, and uh, even more will join us very, very soon. I know that DiscoXYZ is having a party right now in beta version. Uh, and I know that beta version has been there for a while. Let us know what are the next steps for DiscoXYZ family. Because I have checked your roadmap for at least for Q1 2023 that is available on the website right now. But I want to hear... Uh, what are the future plans? Perhaps if you can, let's say, give us some alpha about what can we expect <laughs> from Disco, even if it's like an idea for the upcoming years, just to get a sense in which direction are you moving right now? Yeah. So just to give context for anyone who's not in the beta right now, um, Disco is basically a in its current form, it is a two-part product. It is one part web application, which allows you to create what we call data backpacks, which is essentially appending a decentralized identifier to the Ethereum address that you bring to the application. So that allows you to sign these proofs, these off-chain pieces of information that I've been alluding to. Um, so in the application, you set up a profile, which basically creates that did for you it allows you to link that to different identifiers like your Twitter account, your Discord username, your DNS record. So these are ways for you to have human readable identifiers for when you're signing pieces of data, right? Like you don't want me to sign that you guys were here <laughs> listening to this podcast from D DID 30X12579. Like that doesn't mean anything to anyone. Um, but to prove that it came from the account that controls my Twitter presence gives a little bit more trust to that signature. Then within the application, you are able to send, receive, make public or private um, these credentials. So for example, I have a boys club membership credential that came from the DAO itself. I have self-attested information about myself, like my preference for dark mode over light mode. So that when I connect my wallet to new applications, they can call the Disco API and surface that information to give more context than simply being able to display the NFTs that I own on a different profile on a different app. So in the same way that we expect when we connect our wallet to OpenSea and to Blur and to any other marketplace that our NFTs will be there. Disco allows you to do that with other pieces of information that you might not want to put on a blockchain. So the API is the second part of that product. So the web application is for individuals to be able to send and receive and make public and private. And the API is to be able to call and read these pieces of data that I have given permission to see. So if I want to make my Boys Club membership credential private, and then I connect to another application that is encrypted and they cannot surface it. So it's not like when you just hide NFTs from your OpenSea profile and on the front end, it's not displaying, but obviously that asset is still public. Um, so yeah, that is Disco in its current form. 
the next iteration I would say that I'm most excited about, um, because right now that entire process of sending and receiving credentials is very manual. I have to go in, I have to choose a schema. Am I sending a membership credential? Am I vouching for someone else? We have a very short list of these credential types, which we call schemas. Um, and so what I'm really excited for is the ability to programmatically issue these inside applications. So you can imagine that every time you mint an NFT, if we have integrated with some of these marketplaces or with, you know, Manifold or some of these other companies, you can basically have like a proof of mint where even if I sell an NFT later, even if I, you know, like transfer it to another wallet, I still have all this contextual information about the actions I'm taking, whether that's attending events, whether that's, yeah, minting NFTs that I eventually sell, whether that's supporting an artist by minting every single one of their drops over the past year, there's just much more granular data that can be collected and displayed. And we can do cool things with that without sacrificing user privacy um, by just making all of that publicly available to everyone until forever. But that's something I'm really excited for, which is just this passive collection of data about myself, as opposed to needing every community that I'm part of, every marketplace that I engage with to specifically mint and transfer me an asset that's just going to kind of populate my <laughs> my wallet and those things have very different meanings at least for me like half of the nfts that i own might not even have financial value but they mean something to me and so being able to visualize and contextualize those interactions that i'm having with other people whether it's gms that i'm sending with people whether it's you know like vouching for someone who ended up getting a job or teaching my friend what an NFT even is. Like those to me are the moments in Web3 that are most valuable to my experience and that keep me here and that represent what a strong community is made up of um, as opposed to, you know, floor price and, <laughs> you know, transaction value. And I do believe that one of these moments that happened to you before would be definitely the fact that Punk6529 bought your art and <laughs> you minted it, even though you're not an artist, but you're just doing it because you enjoy the space, because you have this GM mentality inside of yourself and you're here to stay for long term. I actually really enjoyed hearing from you word community because uh, you building for people, by people, that's the, that's the right way, I do believe. Us being that early in Web3, that's the only way for us, not just to survive, but for us to evolve into something special, something bigger. I know that you guys are working hard on a daily basis to make sure that the whole off-chain identity, the whole party that is, having, uh, that is happening on Disco XYZ right now, it becomes a reality for millions of people in the upcoming years. And I know that you're also traveling a lot to make sure that uh, it's a reality already right now. I would assume that the next place where people can meet you is East Denver, but uh, <laughs> I will give you a mic just to let us know where can people meet you and Evan next, where people can chat with you in real life. 
Absolutely. Yes, you are correct. ETH Denver is the next IRL disco party. Um, We're actually going to be renting out a coffee shop uh, on Friday and Saturday of next week for ETH Denver. So there will be merch, there will be coffee, there will be data backpacks and user research. And so, yeah, would love to see any friends there. And then I believe Evan will be in Tokyo as well in April. So those are the next two on the Disco World Tour. I love it. Zenly Merge that I'm interested in is actually your Big Deep Energy cap. I've been uh, waiting for it for a while, and uh, I know that I would assume that that is your favorite merch out there. Am I right? <laughs> I I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing, and it's concise and logical. That's basically what this all is about, my friends. I should recall to all the listeners once again that you came on a very short notice, to be more precise, uh, a bit more than 10 minutes before the show, but you did hell of a discussion out here with me. I absolutely enjoyed your energy, and I absolutely enjoy the fact that in Web3 space, we don't just have tech-savvy developers, builders, but we actually have people uh, who are putting the terms, the meaning of community of creation coexistence uh, at the top layer. I absolutely enjoyed chatting with you here today. I do believe that absolutely everyone from the audience would say the same. You're an amazing person to know in Web3 and frankly speaking, I'm really happy to call you my friend. I'm really happy that we're connected with you, LDF. Well, thank you so much. That means the world to me. And yes, I couldn't agree more that I am so excited to have more and more people who are focused on the people that are here because we can make the tech do whatever we want (laughs) but following tech blindly is not the way so yeah thank you so much for having me this was a great start to my day and yeah Let's I absolutely. Hope to see you again soon. Absolutely. That definitely stronger than just having a coffee, coffee plus discussion. That's, <laughs> a, that's a key. Thank you very much, everyone who joined us today. Make sure that you follow Origins XYZ. This episode will be live on all the leading podcast platforms, so you will have a chance to rewatch it. We're back next Tuesday, 2 p.m. GMT with wonderful Vinny from Ingdao, Boys Club, Crypto. We'll have another amazing conversation, but for now, I wish you all a productive day ahead. Thank you for being with us. LDF, once again, you're amazing. Enjoy it, my friend. Thank you so much.